You are listening to the How to Talk to Girls podcast with me, Trip Kramer. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the How to Talk to Girls podcast. I'm your host, Trip Kramer from tripadvice.com. What's going on, man? How you doing today? I'm doing better, I would say. Still a little bit head cold. That's why I sound kind of funny. But, you know, the cold didn't take me down from doing the episode that you're about to hear. The episode today is with Evan Cudworth, the party coach. He's a party coach. You know, I've heard of all kinds of coaches in my life because I've been coaching myself for 12 years. Happy anniversary trip advice this week, by the way, 12 years and counting. So I've known about all kinds of coaches over the years. So it doesn't surprise me that there's a party coach. And I know it sounds kind of funny, a coach to party, but let's be honest, kind of what I do as a party coach, in a sense, Evan and I have a very uh, similar strategy in helping guys with socializing. So whether you want to call it partying or socializing, meeting people, right? It's all under the same idea. And we go into some really cool stuff to help you with meeting and socializing and actual things to say to people. He has this one question that I think is awesome that helps with having a conversation that's unique and and getting women to remember you. And he teaches us how to socialize without having to rely on alcohol or drugs, which I think is pretty awesome because as you know, if you've been listening for a while, I'm all about that. I'm all about socializing without having to rely on anything but your own pure confidence. So you're going to have a really good time listening to this episode because you're going to learn a lot. I was at such a loss for words many times throughout this episode. Probably just because when I'm sick, I'm, you know, I'm not always a hundred percent there, but, but I didn't care. I didn't want to reschedule this. I could have easily rescheduled it, but I was so excited. And I, and as you know, these days, I'm not just having anyone on the podcast. I only interview people who I'm, I'm super interested in. Like I want to be interested in it. And I want to know that it's going to be helpful for you. So I want it to be valuable for everyone. And so I said, you know what? My energy's there. Maybe I sound like shit and maybe in my head's a little bit, whatever. But that's how much I, I really wanted to do this. So I think you're going to enjoy it. I think this intro is is long enough. Let's just get to it. I want you to hear it out. Take some notes from party coach Evan. Here it is. What's up, Evan? Good to have you on the podcast, man. Thanks, Trip. Good morning. Good morning. As you can tell, I know we talked earlier. I'm a little bit sick, so I thought I would just mention why I sound so funny to the listeners. But but that's how excited I was to talk to you. I did not want to reschedule. I really wanted to to chat. And the second I I saw you, I think it was on TikTok, right? Yes. Yeah. And I was like, party coach? What? <laughs> this is awesome. And I'm going to be honest with you. Okay. I'm just going to give you my, my honest like thoughts of like, what was going on in real time as I was watching your videos. When I saw party coach immediately, I went to, okay, is this like a guy who's, you know, trying like a, like a promoter, like it mm-hmm. sounded at first when you hear party coach, like a promoter, you know, teaching people like how to throw a good party, all this. And then you started talking about how you help people 
have a good time and party without having to do drugs or alcohol. And that was when I was like, I got to get this guy on because I talk about that so much on the podcast. I really promote the idea of going out, meeting women, talking to women and doing it completely sober. So that's why I was so excited to have you on. But enough of my rant. Why don't you say hello, tell the guys all about you and what you do and how you came to be. Amazing. Well, what's up, y'all? Yeah, my name is Evan. I'm coming to you from Venice Beach, California. And I have, I'm a, a raver, right? I partied for 15 years. Pretty much every weekend. Yes, I've worked in music. I've, you know... <laughs> Been at basically a club, a party, an event, a festival. I love music festivals pretty much every weekend for 15 years. And I love being in a crowd with people. And there's that feeling when you just get on that same vibe and you look to your left, you look to your right. You're like, how did I get there with these people? Right? Like that is just such a great human feeling to have. Are you an extrovert? Uh, So – you must be. Uh, in some ways, yes. I very much need to recharge my social battery before I go into those situations. Maybe we could talk a little bit about that. But I was actually listening to your podcast that you had done about how to be like high value at a party event. And I loved – right off the bat, you talked about kind of the myth of being fashionably late, right? Uh, about yep. how one of the – something that you can do when – you know when you show up someplace early and you're able to meet people as they come in and then introduce them to one another and create those connections for other people. That is one of the first things that I teach and talk to about my clients, which is everybody wants to feel connected or feel like they belong in one way or another. And I think sometimes when we get in this idea of like, where do I fit in the power structure? Or how do I fit into one area? If you're too in your head about, like four-dimensional chessing, <laughs> what what is happening there, it can be very overwhelming. Right. And so simply thinking about like who can I connect and how can I make somebody else feel in some small way like they belong, immediately you can feel like you belong in a place when you step into any situation, whether that's a little house party, whether that's bottle service, whether that's, you know, some high value networking event, any of these places, simply helping somebody else feel that way by making that intro. I love that you gave that advice because that's something I work with my clients as well. Cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. It was just interesting to experience that, you know, where it was, it was kind of like this counterintuitive step into going to a party. Whereas, you know, oh, you always want to be fashionably late. Was you, you don't. I mean, maybe I said on the podcast, like, yeah, not a bad idea if you know everyone at the party. And then it's mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, troops here. <laughs> you know, that's that's the whole thing of fashionably late. It's like you make this entrance because everyone knows you. And it's like, oh, man, you know, we're so excited to see you now. But no one gives a shit if they don't know you. You know, yes. and then you missed out on all that prime time of going to a party where you didn't know anybody and now everyone knows each other or they've already been drinking and they made their connections and it's harder to to connect. But anyways, I know we're not gonna go into that because there's already a podcast episode on that. So yeah. we're gonna talk to you about how to really make these connections and do this. Now, are are you a sober person? Do you not drink alcohol ever? I so currently, yes, I am sober and I plan to be that way, but for about the past five years, 
really experimented with all different ways of how to be at a party. I went sober for about eight or nine months in 2018. And then I cut out just drinking. I was just doing drugs for a while. And then I cut out drugs. I was just drinking. So I was really trying lots of different things to feel what is really most effective. Like what if when I say I, what do I want to get out of a party? How do these supplements both enhance or inhibit my ability to execute on those things that I say that I want? And something that I noticed is you know, we wouldn't be doing these things if they were not effective, right? There are, so I talk a little bit though, let's just talk about alcohol to begin with, right? Okay, cool. So a lot of us probably have a first memory of showing up some, you know, whether it's in high school or even in early college, but that first great drunk experience where alcohol gave us the power or the confidence to talk to somebody or do something that we might not have been able to do on our own. And courage. Exactly. And that is a very powerful thing, but it often creates a nostalgia that we are going back to chase, right? We're, we're, we're chasing that moment again and again. And one thing that I like to talk about is every time that we drink to get that courage, we're essentially borrowing confidence from the next day because you're going to pay back that confidence in a hangover or you're going to pay for it of your drunk self when you're talking to when you're going up to talk to that girl that's not fully yourself right there is some borrowed confidence in you that are you using to get to that state so when you end up going home or you wake up the next day and that is not fully yourself you're going to feel a gap in between what your truly your true self-esteem of who you are and what happened in that situation and this is all great and easy to intellectualize, right? But I really had to go off and experience this for myself and really feel what are those differences when I stepped into those places. So I get a lot of flack on TikTok for saying I've been studying how to party for five, 10 years, but I literally have been, I take notes, I study like what works, what doesn't. I talk about this with all of my friends and there's some pretty, there's some science behind this, but there's also some counterintuitive ways that not drinking or not borrowing that confidence is actually going to empower you more in the long run. Cool. I also like to, I make a joke about the sustainability of drinking and socializing and meeting women. It's like, if you learn how to socialize with people, with women under the influence of alcohol, then what are you going to expect to do when you see a woman you want to talk to or I mean, I know most dates have alcohol, but we'll just say, yeah, see a woman who you want to talk to. Let's say at the grocery store, what are you going to do? Run to your car and take a shot of Jack Daniels before you go over and talk to her? You know, it's like, it's not training you in the way that you need to be trained if you want to have the ability to meet people without being under the influence. Very much so. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't know where you're at. So I'm, I'm 36 now, right? And I think in my early 20s, Pretty much everyone was doing that, right? And yet what I started to notice, I worked in the music industry for a long time and I'd be out at networking events. Oh, Party Central. Oh, exactly. And, you know, every weekend, it was like, well, it was weekdays, right? Tuesday night, there's a show in Venice and Friday night, you're out in Hollywood. And, you know, there is a, not only like a mental and a physical toll that having to have two to three, five drinks in you to, to network and to connect with these people there. But I was also noticing that the people around me, the very successful 
people that were really doing the networking were, were maybe having one drink and then we're not going to that next level. Right. Or they were literally, they were going at, I, there's a, there's actually quite a few executives and people that I talked to that go and ask for fake drinks and they will, they will not have alcohol in them because, but they, they need to appear like they're drinking, but they know that they need to be sharp and know that they need to be there for a certain type of a reason. And for me, I was, listen, I'm a party boy. I always like to, and I was like, Oh, because what I would see is I would, get myself drunk enough that I would then get in with the, you know, whatever I perceive to be like that high value group. I'd take them to an after party. I'd get the drugs. I'd like provide all of that. And you can definitely do some great networking in that space, but that really does start to burn out after a while. And I noticed that those connections and those, what I was trying to get out of those situations was an illusion. And I was more, banking on the nostalgia of when that felt good for me versus the value that I was providing for my life in the current moment. Oh man, that's deep. That's interesting. So yeah, there was a big disconnect for you, it seems. Yes. And I think a lot of men, especially we feel this is, well, so let's, let's break down a couple things. So I sort of have a, there's three things that I believe that we go out and we can get when we party or we socialize. And I, I sort of imagine this kind of as a pyramid and on the two bases of the pyramid, on the two sides. So on the left bottom side is connection, right? I ask people like, why do you party? And the most common answer typically is like, I want to be with my friends or I want to be out and like connect with a girl or like something like that. Right. We want some sort of a connection with another human being, Right. On the bottom right of that pyramid is novelty, something new. And I very think oftentimes we use drugs and alcohol to allow ourselves to do something new, to do something exciting, to get that hit of dopamine of like, oh, this person is maybe way outside of who I would normally talk to, or there's something novel about going out and partying and getting that experience. At the top of that pyramid, and this is oftentimes the hardest to get when you're not drinking or using is release. And there's an emotional release. This is like when you're dancing, like your song comes on and like you're with the boys and you're all just like dancing and like letting loose or, or, you know, you're with new strangers and you're able to just be in that moment. There's a actually Emil Durkheim, who's a sociologist uses this term collective effervescence. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but he says that sort of the health of humanity really depends on these moments where we can all experience like a collective release. This is like when your favorite musician comes on stage or that DJ plays your favorite song and everyone together is sort of experiencing this emotion together. I think sometimes we get so in our heads when we're going out to socialize or going out to party that we forget that those moments, when people see us in those moments, and when we allow ourselves to have those moments, for me, that's when I've made connections with the people around me that they're like, yo, I want to see you afterwards, or I want to get your number, or like, I want to, I want to do this more with you. I want to experience more of these feelings with you. And those to me are really special. You can't necessarily engineer them, but you have to be open for them. And if you're constantly in your head thinking about how am I going to control every situation around me, it's going to be more difficult for you to experience those moments. So it's a little tricky, but in my coaching program, I talk a lot about, you know, how do you 
attract instead of chase, right? How do you get there early, set the vibe, find a couple of people that you can start to create conversations, dance with, introduce, that you can create those moments so that people see you in your natural element and you can start to attract those things that are coming to you. Without the assistance of drugs or alcohol. Correct. Well, so yes. And, and everyone's going to be on a different timeline for this. I'm not anti-drugs or alcohol. I think that they, are, again, they work and they can be great. If you're using them intentionally, I think they could be a great connector. However, if you notice yourself, if you're going out and you are using those things and you are not getting the results that you want, I highly recommend cutting them out and learning how to do this sober. If you're still getting results and you're still enjoying things, go for it. But if the results are not there, it's very important to take a step back. Okay, got it. So you don't preach necessarily not doing substances. Correct. Okay, but you you help people become aware of being honest about are those things actually helping? Correct. That's there's a li- yeah, there's a little algorithm that I use that I call social ROI. What's the social return on your investment, right? And everyone could do a very basic like back like in your iPhone notes, but sort of write down what are you, what are the costs going into the night? And then what are your like revenues? Like what are your returns the next and not just the next day, but the next two to three days. And you can figure out what this actually means. So you just have to be honest. But for example, I would put down, Hey, you know, like I spent, you know, 75 bucks on this shirt, this new shirt. I spent, you know, 150 bucks, um, on drinks. I spent, you know, 60 bucks on, on, on drugs or whatever. It's like, I did all these things. Right. And it's like, yes, I met these two people. I woke up, maybe I hooked up, maybe I didn't, maybe I like, met a new friend group. Right. But like my Sunday night, like I, I have that I have to order takeout cause I'm hungover. And actually that person that I met, like kind of ghosted me and never want to talk to me again. And if you start to just keep some little accounting in your head of like, what are you actually getting out of what you put into this? What I notice and most clients notice is that the things that we think are being our highest drivers of value oftentimes are our biggest liabilities. Some of the things that I heard you talking about in in the podcast you talked about last time of making those introductions and people remember how you made them feel, right? I actually think that's a Maya Angelou quote, (laughs) Um, but, but people remember how they made you, how you made them feel and creating feelings for other people and creating that, that, that kind of element. Yes. Drugs and booze can help. A great shirt can help. All those things are there, but having a, open conversation and listening and making other people feel like they are interesting is the ultimate hack to helping people feel like they want to spend more time with you. Cool. So do you have any tips on how guys can do that? Great. So I noticed, so there's a couple open-ended questions that I really like to start with. And I, I quit my, a lot of my clients with things like this, but again, take out your iPhone notes Start to think about if depends on the type of your event that you're going to, but think about open-ended questions that are going to allow people that you want to talk to, to connect with something that you know about, right? So I, if I may go into like a networking event as a music person, I'll often ask somebody, I was like, Hey, like, what are the, what are the last three 
albums that you've been listening to that you've really enjoyed right this week? Because I know everyone is there for music in some way or another, but it's giving them a chance to talk about something that they like and that I can relate back to that area. But it's not asking simply, it's not the back and forth, like, where are you from? I'm from here. Like, oh, where do you live? Oh, what's the weather? It's, it's not that back and forth. It's something that's kind of centered around the event that allows people to fill in some information about what they love. A very basic one. And this one, it, it's a little cringe, but it's the most effective question that I've ever used. And I still use it to this day. Oh, you're really building this up. I'm excited. I say, what's bringing you joy this week? And it, it like it, people's kind of step back on their heels for a second. But then when they step back and they're like, oh my gosh, I haven't thought, you know, a lot of people like to complain you know, and everyone wants to, to talk about the traffic or the weather or the coach check line or like all that shit. And it's like, actually, when we like, if you give people an opportunity to talk about it, some people will take it seriously and some people move a little bit into it. But I found that people will leave that conversation having felt like, oh, wow, I haven't felt actual joy in a conversation at a party in a long time. You know, oftentimes I'm trying to impress people or trying to do X, Y, Z. But in that moment, you've created a feeling that they are going to remember. And people come up to me months and and years later, and they're like, yo, when you ask me that question, I've used that question in this context or that context. So listen, this has got to be feel authentic for you. And if that question seems too big of a jump for you, and you're like, yeah, but I, I don't want to ask that, find a version that is going to feel good for you. I mean, it could be as simple as, you know, what's the most fun thing you did this week? Or... What made you happy this week? Exactly. Yes. So find that version of what feels good for you. But again, listening deeply, not trying to, not trying to jump in and be like, I'm going to, oh, I have a great answer for what comes back. Listen to what they say and respond to what they said and respond in a way that shows that you listened and boom, the conversation takes off from there. That's so cool. You know, I, I also think this is a, a unique question or, or people get a unique feeling is because here in the West, it's normal to talk about negative things or mm -hmm. complain about things that are not good. It's like an unspoken thing between people that if we talk about what's happy in our lives, we think we're showing off mm -hmm. or we, or we think we're, we're trying to say we're better than other people. It's just not a common way of bringing up things, you know, it's like it's so much easier to say to someone like, oh man, you wouldn't believe what happened to me this week versus, mm -hmm. hey man, you would not believe what happened to me this week. And then you say something positive or happy or joyful. Yes. And we don't speak that way. So when you ask someone that question, they're not asked that question. So mm -hmm. not only are they feeling that emotion with you because are they, they're feeling that emotion with you and it's a happy one because they're talking about something happy but they're having that unique experience with you because they don't get to talk about these things because right. mostly people are talking about, and it's easier to talk about things that are bothering people or negative or the news or the state of the world or whatever is happening that is making them feel uncomfortable in that moment. So that's why I think it's such a powerful question. I really like that. I would yeah. personally say to someone, you know, Hey, I'm curious, like what made you happy this week? I wouldn't say joy because joy is just not a word yep. in my vocabulary. So I would take it and use that. That would just be for me. So that I'm just showing as an example of what someone Ex could do if they didn't want to use that exact phrasing. Yeah, Trip, I love that. And I think you that really important point too of 
you know, not, you're going to create that feeling, but we have to watch that you don't step into what I call toxic positivity. And this is, you know, I think, I don't know if you talk too much about like nice guy. I'm a, I come from a people pleasery type background where I want. We talk a lot about this yeah. here. So this, yeah. this so is a good I, transition yeah. into this. Yeah. So I come from, and it's, this is still, it's something that I work on, but I tend to want to control and make everyone else feel good around me. And so when I've done coaching, when I've worked with therapists and things, I oftentimes, if I don't open with that question, one of the things I like to open with is I give people an option to fill in both. So I say, what, what's the highlight and low light of your week? And this gives people an opportunity. They can fill that. Some people have something that they've been stewing and they want to unload and they're like ready to complain, but then they can also fill it in with something that's good. And so it, it allows people to feel that full spectrum of emotion. It allows me to not just be in positivity all the time. Because it's also kind of fake. You yeah, know? exactly. That, that's that nice guy yep. thing. Yes. You know, it's also fake though, being negative all the time because yep. no one has a very, well, I would say it's extremely rare that anyone has a life where everything is good or a life where everything is bad. It's just not mm-hmm. possible. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you're, you're at a party. You know, I would say this 100% of the time. You're at a party and you meet someone. There's no one in that room that can ever say life is 100% bad. You know why? They're at a party right now. Mm-hmm. So they clearly have friends. They're breathing. They're not sick. They probably have a phone that can call and get pizza delivered within seconds. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's like they have... Uh, lots of things to be grateful for. So um, not to get too off track, but I just want to say that it's more real to have conversation around things that some things might be negative, if you want to label it that way. Some things might be positive. And there's all kinds of emotions. We're all experiencing all of them. So if you're always too positive, you're always too negative. It's just not real. 100%. That doesn't help a connection, does it? Right. Not at all. Well, and I want to I want to revisit something I was thinking to again on the podcast. You talked about in a conversation having a polarizing response when somebody asks questions. So I think the example was along the lines of, "Hey, like where you're from? Oh, I'm in California. Oh, like either California is the worst or California is the best." And I I do actually I think I agree with that. Um, I think it's it's important to. Yeah, to not be, to not just be in the middle all the time, right? To have an actual opinion and have a response to that. Um, and to not be scared, scared to go to those extremes is, is exactly kind of my point as well. Exactly. To do it in a way where it's not a, you know, that if you're joking, it's clear that you're joking and you're still finding some ways of relation and it doesn't move into like the negging type territory because I think that like that stuff can, even if it works in that situation, then there's a reputation around you, right? Oh, that person is the po- like the person who's just always going to be contrary, right? And it's always going to be on the opposite side of you. And, you know, depending on what you care about your reputation among, you know, everyone at the party, that's just something that you want to watch out for. So finding ways to relate and not just be contrary, I think is important for your overall reputation. Yeah, totally. You want to do it where it makes sense and you're being real about it, you know, mm-hmm. and you don't have to be contrary either. Mm-hmm. If if you love California and they're from California, mm-hmm. go that way. Yeah. Oh my God, I visited California last year. It was so much fun. 
Mm-hmm. What an amazing, what an amazing state, what an amazing time I had this, that, and the other, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's definitely something that's going to be more effective for you. If you're bringing that contrarian or we'll just say a polarizing viewpoint, if it's real, mm-hmm. you know, I want to get guys out of their shells so they can do that and just not be in the middle all the time because, and again, uh, on that tip, you don't do it all the time. If you do it all the time, mm-hmm. then it's way too intense. It's just meant to be kind of sprinkled into the conversation where it can make the conversation more, I don't want to say exciting, but bring some more emotion to the conversation. So it makes it mm-hmm. that much more interesting. Mm-hmm. Heck yes. When guys come to you with questions about sort of parties in general, yeah, what is the sort of general theme of, of questions that you get typically? Well, yeah, I'd, I'd say it's starting conversations with women. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, do you have any tips on on how do you start conversations with women? Also, questions around how do you start conversations with groups of people? Mm-hmm. How do you start conversations with people when you know other people around you are listening? Mm-hmm. So any thoughts on any of those topics? Yeah. Uh, well, let's open up a little bit of a Pandora's box here sort of around like status and like I'll even start with just bottle service because I think bottle service is a great kind of like metaphor for both like the possibilities, but also what can go wrong with this. You know, I worked in nightlife and stuff for a long time. And I remember the first couple times I got bottle service. I was living in Chicago and like, Cool. That's where I'm from. Oh, heck yes. Yeah. So I was like in college there and like a cousin of one of the Chicago Bulls like went to our school. And so like we got in with them and it was like, they found that I was really good at going off and dancing and talking to girls. And I, so they, I would literally like be texted by the Chicago Bulls. They were like, Hey, can you come to our table and like go off and talk and go find girls to come back and talk to us? Because even the Chicago Bulls were scared of of having to go talk to girls. It's a, it can be a scary thing, right? What I would do in that situation. So full like transparency is I. So I am I am gay. At the same time, I am pretty straight presenting and can love just being in a crowd and connecting people in one way or another, and. I would not mention anything about that when I would go to find girls, but usually what I would do is I would go find people that were like front left or front right dancing in the bar in the club. Usually there's like a group of people that are there. They feel like they're there really to dance and you can see them. They're usually not looking at the DJ. They're not looking at anything. They're usually looking at each other and they are there for a good time and they want to enjoy it. Going and finding a way to help them have more of a good time dance for a minute or two, create some sort of an experience for them. Maybe it's bringing them a drink. Maybe it's saying, hey, it looks like you're having a great time here. Do you want to come up over and and dance at this table over here? There's a little more room. Elevating their experience in one way or another is going to, again, help them feel special and help them feel like they belong. So that's kind of a first thing as to approach is how can you improve somebody's experience in one way or another when they're at a party? Now, conversation when people are listening. Again, this is another thing where when you can 
make other people look good, the, the people that you're talking to, if you can ask questions that show off their knowledge or their expertise, make them feel smart, make them feel like they're looking good, that they can carry the conversation. You don't have to carry it yourself. This is where thinking about some of those questions beforehand can be really empowering. So, you know, I'll usually at, like ask them a, a question or two of like, Hey, it looks like you have been here a couple of times before, like know the DJs or, or, you know, what's your experience here? Like what, wh- what are some of the best DJs or who, have, who are the best people that you've seen here in the past? And when I find a little bit more that either they know the place or maybe they're brand new to it, I'd be like, Hey, you know, it sounds like, you know, you really know the best places in town. Where else should I check out after this? And it allows them to step into a place of they have knowledge. They have something that they're sharing with me and you're making them look good. And by that way, you are elevating your value because people see that you are a connector and somebody that is making other people feel look good as well. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. Okay, cool. So yeah, that's that's the thing too, right? Is like, People don't want to do the hard work and the hard work at a social event or party is being the person who's creating the conversation, connecting, bringing people together, all those things, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. Cool. Yeah. Continue. Yeah. And so last of all, I so I see this a lot is on the other side of it. So, right, maybe you're at a bar club and you're not in bottle service and everyone is up there and you're looking at it all, the, you know, the the lights and the flashing and the champagne and you're sort of down there. And and if there's any jealousy that you have or any feeling of like, Oh, if only I had those things, I would be better. Like just so you know, 90% of the girls that I talk to people and and bottle service girls and everyone knows that it's like, that is such a charade. And like most of those guys are really being played. Right. The only goal of all those women is to get people them to spend as much money on them so that they feel good. And a lot of them are not seeing the results of the investments that they're making in those types of things. Sometimes there are, and sometimes there, there's an element to that. But really, the majority of it is it's so saturated with the money and and that side of it that it's it just becomes very unclear of like where is the value, who likes who, why do we actually enjoy a lot of these things. But what you can do when you're down on the floor, when you're down in that place, again, is to create that value, create space, create energy, create a way for people around you to have a better time. And that's going to naturally start to attract those higher vibe things to you. And a very basic thing that this is kind of in your vein of introducing people to each other. But say if you're pretty introverted and all this stuff that I'm saying sounds very scary to you. Yeah. I was going to say, what if you're a super shy guy? You're like, oh, sounds good in theory, but how the hell am I going to do that and bring the energy? What? Yes. So I know that can sound super scary. Your like your job when you go out to the next one of these is just to find one other person who either looks or feels maybe they're on the same vibe as you or is also feeling a little bit anxious and make them feel like they belong because even like we, we talk about this a lot in again, full disclosure, I'm sober, but it's like, Hey, if somebody who has like five days of like not drinking can help somebody with one day. Right. And it's like, Oh, dope. Like I know just a tiny little bit more. So like the fact that you're listening to this podcast and the fact that you are like, Hey, you're going to go out to a party or an event and you're like a little bit scared about it. You already have more knowledge 
and have more experience than, than people that are in that room with you, right? And you can start to use some of this knowledge and start to use it to help other, even that if that's another guy to begin, but sometimes it could be that quiet girl in the corner, even if it's somebody that you're maybe not immediately like sexually or excited about right away. This is more about you just showing that you're in that room and that you are providing value. And as you start to do that, confidence is not about affirmations and it's not about anything. It's about irrefutable evidence that things you believe about yourself are true. That's what confidence is. And you will build confidence as you continue to get the reps in of, of doing these behaviors, right? I was a skinny, scrawny dude who moved out to California from New York who like could never get in the gym because I was so just anxious. You know, I was like, I'd, I'll rather be raving, right? And that first like six, eight months of going to the gym, I would sometimes go in and I would do like three reps and I would have to leave. But I knew that if I just showed up and did it that day, it was telling my brain, I am somebody that goes to the gym, right? I'm now a fitness trainer. I now like work in, in all these places in, in LA. And it's like, now it's just such a natural part of who I am. Everyone knows me as like the fitness guy, you know, with the, the six pack guy, right? And it took me doing those very basic early reps to get to that place. So if you can think about parties and think about these places as, as areas where you are getting some of those reps in on your early confidence, it will pay off in the long run. Yeah. I mean, I have a, I have a great example of that and a story of that. I remember when I was in my twenties and I was going out to bars and clubs on the weekends as a guy in my twenties, you know, that's, that's a common thing to do. Mm -hmm. I would, I would go and, and, and drink and, and get drunk and be hang, hung over the next day and deal with all that. And then when I really wanted to learn how to get better with women and learn this stuff, doing it sober, I remember how weird that was at first, mm. right? It's like, that's, mm -hmm. that's not, I wasn't thinking this on a conscious level, but mm -hmm. in, in a subconscious level I was, I was thinking, this isn't me, mm -hmm. right? This is weird. This is not something that I do. I have done do people even do this, right? All these things that I was questioning about how hard that would be. And then when I really pushed myself to do that, and it was really hard at first, you know, after about four or five times, that started to become who I was mm -hmm. and part of who I was. And it was just, an, you know, an example of, of another skill set. It's like, oh, I can go to a bar or to a club, or to a high-energy environment, or to a party, and not have to drink. And it was, I was just doing what you're saying. I was, it was just reps, mm -hmm. right? It's like, at first, yeah, it's really uncomfortable, but then it becomes uh, who you are. And funny enough, it was just the other day, because I'm doing a no-drink march. Mm -hmm. uh, I was just the other day. I, I'm in Austin right now. I went to a South by Southwest um, event. It was, it was a party where some band was playing, and, you know, drinks are, are, are flowing and I didn't have any drinks. And, and it was, it's been a while since I've been out in an environment where I wasn't drinking because I, uh, long story short, I did get to the point where I was so comfortable going out without drinking that I could then go out again and have a few drinks because mm -hmm. it wasn't a big deal to me anymore. But I was like, wow, this, this feels familiar. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. I'm like, I'm having that same feeling. It was like exciting. Mm -hmm. That same feeling that I had you know, many years ago when I would go out and not have any drinks because I was just learning how to do this sober. And it was such a fun 
feeling in that moment because it just brought me back to that time. And it's still inside of me. So now I don't say, oh, I'm a person who goes out and doesn't drink or I'm a person who goes out and always drinks. I'm a person who goes out and does whatever I want. Sometimes I drink and sometimes I don't. And that's just part of me. And and all those parts are part of me. And the only reason why I could say that is back to your point again, because I did the reps. And and one more point to add to that is we, we as humans adapt very quickly. So is mm-hmm. is crazy as something might seem like it's not part of you, a part of who you are, or I don't do this, or I'm not, I'm not a person who does this. I'm not a person who goes to the gym. That's not me. I'm this skinny guy who doesn't go to the gym. Once you start doing the thing that's uncomfortable, it becomes part of you so fast. You don't even remember who you were before that. So yes. it doesn't take that long. Yes. Well, I've bought the trip. I love hearing yeah, that kind of like the ride of the bicycle of like going out and, oh yeah, I could do this like sober chatting again. I love that you're doing the, the no drink march. And again, I'm I, either way, like drink you or not great. Like do, do what, do what you want. But to anyone listening to this here, I think one of the reasons, a big reason why a lot of people don't try like sober months or don't try things like that is because they, in our mind, we think, okay, like I don't want to give something up or it's, you're taking away my freedom, right? Like I want the freedom to be able to drink and to do what I want. Great. But I'd really ask you to investigate that. Are you really free if you need a drink, if you need three drinks to be in those social environments? Right. Or is it, yeah, yeah. exactly. Is it freedom or is it, is it quite the opposite? It's quite the opposite, right? And the freedom is, is what it's, it seems like you have it, you're experiencing, which is I can do one or the other. I can do both. And it might be a little bit of a, you know, there's, there's going to be a little bit of uncomfortable stepping back into that, but that there is, you've done the reps and you have the freedom to truly choose either way. And I think a lot of men and everyone spend a lot of their life in denial about what freedom truly is with, with these. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, not to go off on a, too much of a tangent, but I like to try all kinds of different things that are kind of like withholding challenges. I've done this a lot with my health. Like I went a couple weeks without having any sugar, like very extreme, you know, like no sugar. Or I did like, I did a three day fast a couple months ago Mm -hmm. where it was like literally just water and some salt water for three days straight. Mm. And I do these things uh, just, just personally, because I like to challenge myself. I like to see what I'm capable of. I know it helps build my self-esteem. It's a fun story to talk about ever. It makes me understand my body more. I'm like, oh, is this something I want to do in the future again? Is this, did this feel healthy for me? All those things. And it's interesting because you make such a good point, but I never thought about it that way of like, oh, wow, yeah, someone can take that and be like, no, you're taking away my freedom. I want to be able to choose if I want to eat or eat sugar or not drink alcohol or whatever the challenge is or not work out that day. But I also believe that when we can challenge ourselves to do something that is hard, that makes you stronger. And with your point actually gives you more freedom because now it's like you become this, you you continually become this super version of yourself where you can handle adversity at times if you need to. Yes. I, so, yes. I'm such a huge proponent of challenges of I've done 75 hard a couple times. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Oh yeah, I am. That, yeah. I haven't, I haven't done that one yet. That's yeah, th- that's hard. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's intense. I have shorter versions of it. I have a 21 day version 
for my clients, it's called a wellness bender. <laughs> and it's like 21 days of, yeah. It should, she be, called, it should be called a wellness straightener. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. But yeah, 21 days of like no booze. You take a cold shower, like a cold immersion every day. You do 10 minutes of meditation, a short journal. And then the last one is call a friend or call somebody. And this might be something that we can kind of maybe wrap up and close on is there are so much data out there about how both connected and disconnected we feel as humans. And this is across demographics. This is across ages. This is across everything, right? We, we're spending so much time in our phones and, that, and even things like this of creating these parasocial relationships with people that we follow or people in those areas and, and see everybody out in the world as like a target for somebody that who can be a connection. I think sometimes we forget that we have connections that we can rely on that are going to give us that confidence. So guys, if you're listening to this and you have that friend from high school or you have these people you've met in trips program, or you have other people like in this world that you have connected with in the past, let like creating that connection and letting people know that, Hey, like, what are you up to? What's, what's, what's your highlight low light from your week? Like doing more of that is going to help you so, so, so much when you step into a social situation. Because you're not constantly thinking of like, oh, am I really valuable? Oh, am I really these things? Because you have a whole network of people and, and things around you that are continuing to fill you up with that value. So that's a big part of my challenge too is like, yeah, I know it's uncomfortable to pick up the phone. Maybe if texting is better, tech, but like find a way to like build that connection. And if you call somebody for – if you call different people for 21 days and you like re-up your network – you will absolutely transform what you think, feel, and do about yourself. And it's a really cool challenge to take on. So 21 days, new person every day? Yeah. I love that. You know what? I might do a mini version of that. I'll tell you what. I'm going to do a mini version of that. I'm going to do seven days. I'm going to start today. Yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah. Love it. I love that. That's really cool. I want to see how that goes. I bet you too, if anyone out there decides to go and do a full 21 days of that, you better believe something really positive is going to happen from that. Like you don't even know what it is yet, mm-hmm. but it's going to happen. Like, and it could be like a domino effect, right? Let's say out of the 21, and this is, I'm, I'm being not even generous enough here with like uh, how much more that could happen. But imagine just like one of those people out of all the 21 invites you to something and then you go there and then you, you meet your next girlfriend. Or, or they talk to you about a job opportunity or what they're doing. And then that gives you, you know, uh, an opportunity to seek work somewhere else or, or maybe help with business somewhere, you know, or maybe out of all the 21 people, you just fucking made one of those people's day because they're having such a hard time in their life. And, and then you get the value of feeling amazing that you helped someone else out because they were struggling and they finally heard from someone who just wanted to say hello. I mean, I guarantee you something at the least big will happen connecting with that many people in that short amount of time. So I don't know. That's just my theory on that. That's really cool. Evan. Absolutely. And I have hear so many stories from people that have stepped in to do this, that that is what they've experienced in their lives is 
I hear a lot about, yeah, it's like that friend from college or that friend from high school or that person, that, that coworker that you kind of lost touch with. And you were like, eh, why should I do it? That This kind of gives you an ex- You can even start the conversation like, hey, I'm doing like this challenge. I know this is kind of weird, but I'm doing this challenge. You know, and it's like it gives you an opportunity to push past that initial like feeling of like, oh, they don't want to hear from me, but they really do. <laughs> um, and, and this can be really cool. So. Right. And, and you can even say like, yeah, I'm doing this challenge because – I realized I, I'm not connecting enough with the people that are important in my life. Exactly, And I, I needed some excuse to do it. I know that sounds lame, but challenges work really well for me. So here we are. So how's it going, man? What, what's bringing you joy this week? Yeah. <laughs> See, <laughs> put, put it all together. Yes. Yeah. Evan, Love this it. is awesome, man. I want you to tell the guys where they can find you if they want to work with you and w- what that entails. What does that look like? Amazing. Well, Trip, thanks so much for having me on today and and pushing through even with the with the sickness. Grateful to have you. The party never stops. My name is Evan Cudworth. It's Evan under slash Cudworth on both Instagram, TikTok, but you can also just search the Party Coach and PartyCoach.me. A whole background on my history, my program, fifteen years of partying, all the people that have worked with our community to. Feel real good. And that's that's what we talk about is how do you feel real? How do you authentically show up as yourself and then get what you want out of your head and living your best social life? We meet on Zoom and, and have a Discord and all that stuff too. So we'd love to connect with y'all out on the dance floor or in real life as well. Cool. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for coming on. And I'll put all that stuff in the show notes. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely stay connected. I love what you're doing and and how you're helping people out there. So keep up the good work and thanks for coming on. Heck yes. Thank you so much for having me.